What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Memorial. There is a lot to talk about. There are new aspects of the tools that I want to show you. But first, we've got to keep the momentum rolling and shout out all the winners from last week. I, I you know, we started doing this when, when golf came back because the community has had so many big wins and we haven't stopped. So I feel like we just got to keep doing this at the beginning, uh, keep the momentum rolling. So here we go. Workday charity open. These are just some of the people that sent me screenshots or emails or tweets or whatever. Uh, but here we go. We'll start. We'll start and work our way up pockets turned his $1.50 into $23. That is a great ROI. I would take that every single week. AEJ Barnes turned his 60 into 129 with the core cascading method. That is something I have a video on. You can go check that out as well. It's a very high risk, high uh, reward strategy. Tim with a Morikawa outright turned his $5 into 145. Daniel Owens had a deep run. I believe top 400 in the Millie Maker turned his 20 into 150. Doobie Shack turned his 62 into 156. Mark Tishner. I feel like I've said that name a lot. Uh, 50 into 300. He had a little, a little something on Morikawa there. An outright, I believe. Uh, Sheldon Cooper, probably not that Sheldon Cooper, turned his 100 into 400. Andy Conway told me he had his best week yet. Congratulations, Andy. $72 into 403. Jeff Rowe, listen to these outrights. 60 bucks into 50, into 575, thanks to a Morikawa winner. Morikawa outright, top five, top 10, stacked all those. Hovland, top five, top 10, won both of those. That's great. Noah Hershaway, I don't know if I said that right, Morikawa outright 20 into 680, Charlie Rodnusen, 171 into $734, Chris told me that he watched the YouTube video that I created a couple of weeks ago called the most profitable way to bet golf, and he just smashed head-to-head -head parlays, a four a head-to-head -head parlay and a six-man parlay, 35 bucks into 933, Chris Cotellus, 30 into 990. Thanks, Colin Morikawa, for the outright on that one. Four-figure wins. Gary Smith turned his 56 into 1,430. Congratulations. Christian Anderson's DraftKings lineups was $52 into 1,649. Congrats. Nikki Sixer drops a screenshot in the Slack channel. $90 into 2500 Congratulations. Jeff Town turned his $100 into $3,400. MC Dusty told me it was his second week of membership of RickRunGood.com, turned his $256 into $6,330. Congratulations. Andrew Brown. We're not done yet. We are not done yet. Andrew Brown is on an absolute heater. On outrights, uh, I think three weeks in a row he's hit them. Had a Morikawa outright and a Kevin Streelman top 10. That was uh, also my favorite bet of the week last week. 900 into 8,000, and that's not the biggest win that we had. Because the biggest win that we had that made its way onto my desk was Matt, who sent me an email and told me that he finished 7th in the Millie Maker, turning his $20 
into 12,500. Congratulations. The community is scorching hot right now. We're going to try to continue on this uh, freight train that we're on. It's a runaway freight train. Um, I'm also giving away some memberships to rickrungood.com. All the tools that uh, you're going to see in the video preview, a lot of the community using them for these great wins. Uh, highly suggest you join us. Uh, JTish35, uh, you're the winner uh, for a month subscription to rickrungood.com and Cody Nilsson. So I will reach out to you guys and get you all set up. If you want to enter a drawing to win a month subscription to rickrungood.com, there are two ways to do it. If you are here on YouTube, like the video, make sure you are just uh, subscribed, make sure you hit that little bell notification. Apparently, I just found this out recently, that shoots you an email when a new video comes out. I thought that already happened if you were subscribed, but apparently that uh, little, little bell helps, uh, especially because of how time sensitive these videos are. You want to get it right away. So make sure you're subscribed. You like the video. Tell me who's going to win the Memorial this week. Absolutely stacked field. And the other way to win, uh, the easier way to win, quite frankly, because not everybody does this and it only takes about 10 seconds, go leave a five-star rating and review on the podcast, which is called 300 Yards to Unknown. You can search for that in Apple iTunes, um, or you can search for Rick Rungood, or how about this? I'll link it below. You can just click through and take 10 seconds to do this. Leave a five-star rating and review. Say something nice about the show. Leave me your Twitter handle so I can get in touch with you if you win. And those two ways will get you in a draw. Do them both. That'll get you two entries. We are going to keep the momentum rolling in a big way for the Memorial. And we're going to jump into the DFS preview right now. All right, let's jump into this. The Memorial back-to-back -back weeks at Mirfield Village. Sit back and relax. This might be a long video. There is so much to talk about. And the dynamics of playing the same course two weeks in a row... Um, is one that we will, honestly, we'll, we'll, we're going to be guessing at. Let, let's be real here. We're going to be guessing because we've got no other instance in like the last 50 years of PGA professionals uh, playing the same course back-to-back -back week. So here's what we know about this week at Mirfield Village. We expect the greens to run faster. Approximately a 13 on the stimp meter. They were approximately 11 and a half last week for the Workday Charity Open. We expect the rough to be a little bit thicker. Uh, we expect them to uh, use some tee boxes that are further back. So it's probably going to play longer. Uh, the rough will be more penal. The greens will be faster. And there will be the um, traditional, right? Like the kind of like the more traditional memorial pin location. So what does that mean? Obviously, guys that hit it further are uh, still important, but hitting the fairway, as we saw last week, is going to be critical, and this really is a second-shot course. Look at who was in the final grouping on Sunday last week. It was Justin Thomas. It was Colin Morikawa. It was Victor Hovland. What do all of three of those guys do well? They hit their irons beautifully. Um, it, this is a second shot course. All three of those guys were, were near the top of the board in strokes gain T to green. Uh, it, it really does benefit the iron player. So we're going to scroll down here for the key stats. And if you are new, uh, welcome. This is the key stat regression model. It is, uh, honestly my favorite thing that, that 
that I've done maybe ever because I think a lot of the conversation in the, in the industry is, is much more uh, reactive instead of predictive. This tries to be more predictive by going back and looking at the last 12 years of data and who found success at each course and then basically creates profiles of golfers that should have success here moving forward. So this hasn't changed from last week because remember for the Workday Charity Open, we used uh, the memorial, we used Mirfield Village uh, correlation. So this has not changed. We just have a different field to look at here. So uh, strokes gain around the green was uh, and still remains the quote-unquote most important stat for Mirfield Village. And what that just means is there are only three other courses on tour where strokes gained around the green is more important. Uh, strokes gained approach similarly, which makes sense. These are small greens. It's a second-shot course. This is the same thing we've been talking about for two weeks. Uh, only seven courses on tour where strokes gained approach is more important. So let's look at those stats compared to who is in the field for this week, we'll start with approach. And you're going to see probably a lot of the big names here. You're going to see a couple guys over $10,000. You're going to see Mark Leishman lead the way in stroke scan approach. Now, he had a absolute blow up round on Friday at the Workday Charity Open. I believe he was like five over par. That's not going to get it done. Uh, it was very loose. Now, what you can actually do is go to the Strokes Gained database. This is amazing, so watch this. You can go to the Strokes Gained database, pull up the Workday Charity Open from last week, and look to see where all of these guys are. Uh, so let's see, Mark Leishman. Mark Leishman, I can search for him if I want. Hold on, let me, let me pull him up. Mark Leishman. Let's see how he did. Uh, lost 1.7 strokes on approach. The only category he gained was off the tee, but really the putter was the big bugaboo, right? He lost nearly four strokes putting over the course of two rounds. If we want to see this by round, uh, we can do that as well. Let's see what Leash did round by round here. Um, his first round wasn't so bad. Didn't didn't hit the ball well on approach, lost a half a stroke there, but he was fine uh, around the green, didn't putt well. I mean, the putter was the big issue here. Round one, he gained two strokes tee to green. A lot of it was around the green, but um, I, I might not invest back in in Mark Leishman again this week. I think there's just so many other great opportunities. We're going to get to how deep this field is in a second. Uh, other strokes gained approach guys. Oh, Colin Morikawa, that would have worked out. So this is basically, so if you look at this, this is basically the same list we saw last week, right? Well, uh, Morikawa, that one would have worked out. Patrick Cantlay would have worked out. Justin Thomas would have worked out. Gary Woodland would have worked out. Those are like four of the top five players that played last week. So this is why at the top of the show, you're probably seeing a lot of guys that uh, had success and made a bunch of winning lineups when some of the most important stats ended up being the guys that were at the top of the leaderboard. Now you throw in a couple of extra names this week. You throw in Webb Simpson, who is sixth on this list. You throw in Paul Casey, who's eighth. Rory McIlroy is back in this field. He's, he's in the top 10 of strokes gained approach as well. So we're going to have some decisions to make, but start keeping an eye on these types of golfers as we go through the week. Strokes gained Around the green, Jason Day. Oh, that would have been a good one for last week, right? Didn't he finish T7? Um, Snedeker did. I don't even think Snedeker played last week. 
Uh, Eric Eric von Ruin is in this field. Tony Finau is back in this field. Benny on Alex Norin, Hideki Matsuyama. Those guys round out the uh, the top six or seven. So last week we would have seen Ian Poulter on this list. He played well. Um, he might have faded on Sunday a bit, but he was he was on the first page of the leaderboard for a while. So th- you see why I really lo- like this this tool to me is such a good one to identify course fit, which is different from course history, right? You don't have to have any history to be a good fit at a course. That's why I really love this tool. And, you know, looking back at least one week, uh, while I have it all handy, would have been would have been very good. You would have made a lot of great lineups, and it seems like a lot of people did. All right, let's jump over to the cheat sheet here. Um, there is... A big update to the cheat sheet, probably the biggest update I've ever, uh, I've made in recent history to the to the cheat sheet. I've added a trends tab. So we're going to get into this um, here in a second, but let me just recap the field really quickly. We are now with every player from the top 10 in the world here, except for Adam Scott. Uh, Tiger Woods back in the field. Basically everybody in the top 25 uh, in the world is here. Bryson's back. Uh, DJ's back. Webb Simpson is back. I mean, it's it's just absolutely stacked. And what I also notice is the pricing on DraftKings almost looks major-esque. And it probably should be because this field is a major caliber field. Let's be real here. It's a major caliber, caliber field. And um, it is led by Bryson DeChambeau at 11,100. Justin Thomas is right behind at 10,9. When you see names like Tiger Woods at 9,000 and Brooks Kepka at 91 and John Rahm at 93, man, you are going to be able to make some killer lineups this week. Uh, it's it's going to be something special. And then just to kind of put a bow on talking about the guys that played last week versus the guys that didn't, um, there are a few ways to look at this, obviously. Uh, some guys that played last week, getting an extra look at the course played well, they might carry that momentum in. When I talked to doc Redmond on the pod last week, by the way, doc Redmond in the field this week, he's $7,600. When I talked to him on the podcast last week, he kind of told me that rest was more important for him and that there was really nothing he was going to learn uh, a week in advance than just a couple of days in advance. He, he told me preparation you know, like, like the two or three days that I'll have on site is more than enough. I don't need to be there for an extra, an extra week. So take that for what it's worth. That might just be doc's idea, but I'm not putting more emphasis on the fact that they played Mirfield village last week, other than just like, Hey, these guys played well last week. I, I think that's what's more important to me. And speaking of playing well, so this is what the trends tool does. Um, and this is actually kind of an, an unretirement of an old tool. I used to call this who's hot and who's not. And basically what it does is it finds out guys who are playing above and below their baseline. So there is a tutorial on this. So if you go to my YouTube channel, there is a playlist um, for tutorials where all the tool tutorials are. There's one I just posted for this. What this essentially does is it takes every golfer's uh, long-term baseline and looks at how they're playing in the past 30 days. So in this in this situation, it's basically since the tours restart. 
to see who's playing above and below expectations. So the way to read this is right here. Daniel Berger is a 1.55. That means he's playing one and a half strokes over his baseline, over his his long-term baseline. So his long-term baseline is one and a half. He's gaining nearly three strokes on the field in his last eight rounds, which is since the restart. That's all he's played. So he's basically doubling his strokes gain total right now. So that tells me he's hot. Other guys that are hot. Jazz, Jaina Wananant, Kevin Streelman. That makes sense. Daniel Berger's third. Dustin Johnson, Abraham Answer, Bryson DeChambeau. These are these are guys that are popping up. I mean, Charlie Hoffman's on this list. Didn't he top 10 last week? Henrik Norlander, um, while he's... So this is what's interesting. Norlander can be on this list and, and Bryson can be on this list. But Bryson's all might be top 10s and Norlander's might be all top 25s. But because you compare to the baseline, it just tells you who's playing over their head. That's what I love about this. You can actually kind of compare guys across all different uh, calibers of skill set. And then on the other side are the guys that are not hot, the guys that are playing well below expectations. So some of the notable names on the not hot side, Mark Leishman a shot and a half below his long-term baseline. Benny on 1.3 strokes below his long-term expectation. Keith Mitchell, Harry Higgs, Scotty Scheffler, Sung J M. Unfortunately, these are all guys that are showing up on the not hot side. Now this is where things kind of get crazy. You can look at these trends for any of the strokes gained numbers. So the ones that I'm describing right now is just for strokes gained total. Well, you can actually go and see strokes gained approach. And maybe you want to see guys that are striking the ball better than they have long-term because strokes gain approach, obviously a very critical stat. Uh, Or you could do strokes gain T to green. So you can click through these and go see what is important to you. So for example, I mean, um, you know, I'm I'm going through the notable names here. T to green, Sergio Garcia, Max Homa, Nick Taylor, Abraham Answer, Victor Hovland. Ricky Fowler, Daniel Berger, Bryson. These are all guys that are playing above their long-term expectation on, on T to green right now, which is usually good. So then you compare that against guys that are putting below their expectation and you get this brand new visual called breakout candidates. And this is something that I'm very happy with. Um, and and this, this is why you got to sit back because we are there, there's so much going on here. Um, this breakout candidates tool is very similar to the showdown tool that I use for it to go round by round, because what you in theory want are guys that are hitting it well, T to green, but putting below their own baseline with the idea that they've just been a little bit unlucky. The idea that they are going to regress. So this upper left-hand quadrant, this is the, the guys you want to target here. Now, you got to be smart. Like David Lingworth, David Lingworth is popping off the chart here. I don't think I'll be playing David Lingworth. But you look at some of these guys. Victor Hovland, Sergio Garcia, Justin Thomas, Nick Taylor, Sebastian Munoz, uh, Hideki Matsuyama. Did I say Joaquin Neiman? Ricky Fowler. These are all guys in that upper left-hand quadrant that are hitting the ball really well tee to green, but are putting below their own personal baselines. Those are guys that I would be targeting. Um, 
the opposite of this. The guys that are hitting it poorly and getting lucky putting, these are guys you probably want to stay away from. Names like Adam Long, Gary Woodland, Bern Wiesberger, Keith Mitchell, Jason Duffner, Alex Norn. Like those are fades, right? So go check out this tool. Highly encourage you. It's it's awesome. I, I think it's 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 something new that is really cool. All right, let's go back to the cheat sheet. Let's go through this. So this is going to be a long one. Five golfers over $10,000. Bryson DeChambeau, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, Colin Morikawa gets the boost up to $10,000. I love Bryson DeChambeau. Obviously, he's coming off the win uh, at the Rocket Mortgage. I am a bit concerned uh, about the how how penal the rough will be this week. So Bryson obviously did what he did at Detroit Golf Club, which is just smash it a million yards, go find it, and hit it again. Memorial and Muirfield Village, like, if you miss the green, you're, or if you miss the fairway, you're going to be in trouble, homie. So, like, I, I am concerned about that. I, I'm, I'm concerned that the bomb and gouge, uh, it, I'm sure it'll be fine, but I don't think it plays as well here. So might have to be a pass for me on Bryson DeChambeau, unfortunately, because he's the most expensive golfer. You know, Justin Thomas, we saw what he did last week. He probably should have won this golf tournament. No reason to think he's not going to be in contention again this week. Rory McIlroy is back 10700 It is probably the cheapest we've seen Rory. When's the last time we saw Rory at 10000 What did I say? 10001 $10,007. Uh, it has been a while. Wow. It has been a long time. It was the Tour Championship, but that was a staggered start, so I'm not even going to count that. Uh, what was this? He was 10,500 at the U S open. So yeah, there you go. Major like pricing, major like pricing going on this week. Uh, if you made me choose between these, these $10,000 guys, I think that, uh, Rory is very interesting because we do not have the recency bias of Bryson, Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, and Colin Morikawa. Literally the other five guys in the $10,000 range have one or finished second in their last start, right? Bryson won, JT finished second, Morikawa won, DJ won. Yeah, so Rory's the only guy here over $10,000 who doesn't have a first or a second in his last start. I wonder if he will be stuck in the sandwich, right? Where people will opt to go up and get JT. They'll opt to go down and get Morikawa or DJ or even start lower than that and just leaves Rory, the number one player in the world, hanging out here like 12% owned. Like that that's very interesting to me. I'm I'm interested in that situation. $9,000 range. Uh led by Patrick Cantlay at $9,800 who finished 7th last week but was never ever ever in contention. I never know how to feel about this. This is the Matt Kuchar thing where he like would finish top 10 at every event but was never sniffed the first page of the leaderboard until Sunday afternoon. Like it's, it's a big difference to be in contention all week and kind of fall to seventh than it is to just be there hanging around and then, uh, or, you know, like in 25th and then, and then end up finishing seventh. So I don't really know how to feel about that. I really, really kind of love Webb Simpson in this situation. I, I know the, the lack of distance from Webb could be an issue, but the pricing there are going to be so many investors of Cantlay at 98. There are going to be a lot of investors on Hovland, Hideki, John Rahm, all below that. And no one likes to play Webb anyway. No one likes to play him 
remember he won two starts ago and finished eighth at the Rocket Mortgage, and all we saw at Mirfield Village was if you can hit your approaches, uh, you will be unbelievable here. Well, Webb can hit his approaches. One of the best players in the world. So as long as he hits the fairway, which he does, he just doesn't hit it very far, he's going to put himself in a lot of great positions. This, is, this to me, is kind of really sneaky. You know, you get the full effect of... Nobody likes to play him. Nobody um, want you know. Nobody likes to play him. We we didn't see him play last week. Everyone kind of forgets about him. Like it's the sandwich pricing. I, I think Webb's super super interesting here. Victor Hovland. Let's talk about this because we have to talk about it. I would like to present the case that Victor Hovland has been the best player on tour since the restart and. I understand that Bryson has the hardware to prove it, but what um, Victor Hovland's doing is insane. So I want to pull up his strokes gain database here really quickly. And we're going to look at, um, actually, you know what? We're going to go, we're going to go the opposite way first. We're going to do, I'm going to sort by strokes gain T to green, and we are going to uh, do the workday charity open first. So we'll get rid of this. We'll do this here. Okay. Strokes gain T to green at the workday. Victor Hovland finishes first. RBC, no, well, it would have been Rocket Mortgage was the week before that. All right. So we're going to go back to the Rocket Mortgage. Victor Hovland first in strokes gain T to green. Uh, then what was it? Travelers. Oh, Victor Hovland first in strokes gain T to green. The last three events on the PGA Tour, Victor Hovland has led the field in strokes gained T to green. Let's go back even further. What would have been RBC? I'm trying to go backwards. It's weird going backwards in my brain. Hovland is three, four, five, six, seven, fourteenth. 14th. And then if we go to the Charles Schwab, he is, I think he was 15th. 15th. So he has not finished. He's been 15th, 14th, first, first, first in strokes gained T to green in the five starts. I looked this up. It is a historic run of five starts. Now, this is going to be six weeks in a row for him. It's a lot. But there's no travel this week. He's not traveling. He's not going anywhere. He doesn't have to drive anywhere. I like th This is how I felt when Bryson was on the verge. That's Oliver. He agrees, barking in the background. Um, when, when Bryson was on the verge, this is how I felt. I still feel like Victor is, is on the verge here. It's unbelievable. John Rahm, $9,300 is an enigma. Uh, had his best finish at workday, or um, his, his 27th at workday was his best finish since the restart. Now, I want to pull up his strokes gain numbers because um, he flew up the leaderboard on Sunday. I believe he had the round of the day on Sunday because he went out early. And he ends up finishing, where is he? Here we go. So 27th at the workday. Uh Gained five strokes from T to green. This is much more of a statistical profile that I would expect to see from John Rahm, which is gain off the tee, gain on approach, uh, gain putting. Not as much as I would like to see, but he's getting much more solid, right? I talked a couple of weeks ago how he was kind of all over the place in a lot of different categories. Now settling into the profile of a golfer that I that I like to see from uh, from John Rahm. And I want to look at his final, I want to look at his round by round here because the final round was unbelievable. So here we go. Let's do this by date here. 
All right. So let's see. Okay, this is a good sign. The the scorching round, the round of the day on Sunday was not even his own best putting round of the week. So sometimes when you see a guy shoot up the leaderboard with like a 64, which is what he shot, um, which is eight under with two bogeys on the card, that's insane. You see a hot putter gets you there. Not the case at all. Uh, John Rahm did all of it essentially in ball striking, which is a really good sign, really optimistic. So I think Rahm will be very popular at $9,300, but I think he can absolutely be a staple in your lineup. Brooks Kepka, $9,100. Uh, Brooks missed the cut at workday. Brooks missed the cut on the number, but it was not without... Uh, we should look up his We should look up his strokes gained because his two, or I guess his four different nines were unbelievable. So um, he shoots... Oh, I don't have it broken down by nine here. I have it broken down by round. Um, his second round, obviously much better than his first. He gained three and a half strokes tee to green in his second round. Still didn't putt well. So now, um, after eight straight rounds of gaining strokes putting, he lost in both rounds at Mirfield Village last week. But his four different nines were like 31, 33, 38, and 41. So he had two of like un- two unbelievable nines. And two horrific nines. And I, I don't know what to take from that. I kind of put this out on Twitter. It seemed that the general sentiment was much more optimistic about Brooks. And that if he can just avoid the big number, he's going to be just fine. Like, I think I probably agree with that. I think another guy, I think I think you're going to see a lot of lineups that start. Oh my God. I mean, you might be able to go Rom Brooks, Tiger. Like, that might be a real thing. I don't know how much you'd have left over through that, but that's like a pretty legit start to your lineups. Um, you know, Tiger's here at 9,000, and and we don't know anything about him, right? Like, he doesn't even have enough strokes gained to qualify on tour this season, right? He doesn't have enough rounds played. We haven't seen him since mid-February on tour. We obviously saw him in May for the match. And, like, this is weird where I think that Tiger is probably – one of the only guys, if not the only guy on tour that um, his rest directly correlates with success, right? Like it's not a matter of necessarily working in for him. Uh, He just needs to be healthy. He needs to be ready to go. Of course, he's going to be ready to go at a place he's won five times at. Then you get down into the $8,000 range. And I mean, there's a couple of bounce back opportunities here. I mean, Justin Rose has now missed two cuts in a row. Hasn't looked all that good, but he's got some of the most elite course history and tournament history that we have here. Um, Daniel Berger is back. I mean, Berger, uh, his last three starts, fourth, first, and third. Uh, Only two of them since the restart. He's $8,700. That should show you how absolutely stacked this field is Gary Woodland uh, made me look like a fool last week. I had mentioned that um, I did not like the way his off the tee game was going. And let's let's pull up Gary here. Uh, we can find this pretty quickly. I did not like the way that Gary Woodland's off the tee game was going. You can see here travelers. He was bad. He was bad at RBC Heritage. Uh, and he must have felt that way too because he switched drivers on Thursday. So uh, he went back to his ping driver from his Wilson driver, and uh, all was well. Gained three strokes, or I'm sorry, gained strokes off the tee in three of his four rounds. So 
I guess uh, it, the result made me look silly, but the reasoning behind it, I guess, was uh, was accurate because Gary Woodland made a switch and uh, went back to his, his trusty old uh, ping driver. Now, Abraham Answer is kind of interesting. Abraham Answer is 8500 bucks. Does not hit it far, obviously, but the necessity to be in the fairway and then the emphasis on the approach game should fit right into Abraham Answer's hands here. Uh, and he always competes in big fields. So 14th at Charles Schwab, which remember that was a major like field. Second at RBC Heritage, again, a second shot course with a lot of small greens and a major championship field. Then he plays well at Travelers, 11th there. Uh, he competes. He really does compete. And I feel like he's always a little bit undervalued here. So Abraham answer, certainly interesting. Jason Day is $8,000. Now, that seventh place finish last week was um, his, what, I think second since the Masters, second top 10 since the Masters. Let's pull him up on the Strokes Gain database here. And I showed you he would have been a good fit for the around the green key stat. Um, last week, he was phenomenal. Uh, he was, he gained six strokes from T to green. He gained another, uh, well, a half of that, I guess was around the green and then another three putting, but nice to see. I mean, that off the T number that he had last week, gaining 2.5 off the T his best since July of last year, basically a calendar year. WGC FedEx St. Jude was his, uh, next, the last time he gained at least two and a half strokes. Off the tee, so there might be a little bit something, a little bit of something there. I'm more optimistic in him this week than I was last week, of course. I think we can go right back to uh, Kevin Streelman, who is 7,600 top 10 last week. The putter was a little bit hot for my for my liking, but he he did still play well from tee to green. I think he gained nearly four and a half shots on the field. So now he's got a seventh at the workday, a second at the Travelers. Those are the last two times we've seen him. And four top 20s at the Memorial um, over the last five years. So, obviously, this is a place that uh, he likes. And he's, he's proven success there. And he's playing well at the moment. Doc Redman back in the field. Uh, great ball striking run from Doc Redman since the restart. We will see if he can keep that going this week. When you get down towards the bottom of the sevens into the sixes, probably not a range I want to get into. I mean, there's so much win equity for the f first 15 or 20 guys in the field. Hard to imagine that one of these guys is actually going to win the golf tournament. But, you know, you, Charlie Hoffman finished, what, top 10 last week. I mean, there were some random names up there, right? Um, as as we're always going to see. So that's kind of what we're looking for. Brendan Steele, uh, he ended up finishing 52nd. I think he collapsed on Sunday, but was one of the better players from tee to green. Yeah, look at this. Gained eight strokes from tee to green last week. Lost seven and a half putting. That might be his worst ever. Let's look it up. Steele, worst putting tournament ever. I'm going to say it is. Let's find out. It, oh boy. Oh, it was not. The 2018 U.S. Open, he lost 7.8. He lost 7.5 last week. Um, Let's actually see what he did after that. So that would have been the 2018 U.S. Open because it, here's one of the issues I have with this. 
2018 U.S. Open. Did he play the next week? He did. Okay, he did, and he gained a half a stroke. That's not great, but that is a eight-shot rebound in putting. So here, here's where I was going with this. I obviously love guys that lose a bunch of strokes putting, but there is there is a point where you are you're just you're past. Oh, he had a bad putting week. He got a little bit unlucky. It'll bounce back. To holy crap, something is really wrong. Where like if you lose eight strokes putting, you might be lost on the greens. It's not just luck. It's like things are really bad. So it is interesting to see the last time Brendan Steele lost this many strokes putting he did play the very next week and he gained he gained strokes putting uh in two rounds uh, a quarter of a stroke per round obviously not setting the world on fire but i'll tell you what if he goes out in this week and he gains eight and a half strokes from t to green again and he gains one stroke putting i mean we can do the math and i don't like to do it like this but he would have what gained nine strokes on the field he would have finished like t7 i mean i know it's really hard to to put it together like that but i'm trying to show you what a big difference it would obviously be if he just becomes a neutral putter and continues to hit the ball well next week so pretty pretty interesting stuff there who else do we have christian bezoiden hoots back uh i'm not all that interested in bezoiden hoot i don't think lanto's under six under seven thousand uh insert well, let's just do it. I mean, we do it every single week, right? Let's go to the value matrix, and uh, I'll show you every single time that Lonto Griffin has been under $7,000, and uh, I feel like every time I do this, he gets he gets 10 times value. Let's see. Lonto, this is the game we play. Lonto under 7000 Here we go. Rocket Mortgage, he was 6,884 DraftKings points. That's 12 times value. He was 6,300 at Travelers, 80 DraftKings points. That's 12 times value. Had a little bit of a down run between uh, Arnold Palmer and RBC Heritage. But you can see in basically, what would this be? Nine, like like 10 of the last 13 times he's been under $7,000, he's returned you basically 10 times value. Like it's I'm telling you, just keeps happening. I don't know why I, I keep playing him, but. It's fine. It's whatever. Um, who else do we have down here? Troy Merritt, back-to-back pretty good weeks. He played well at Rocket Mortgage, backed it up with a 22nd at the Workday. Um, finished 17th at the Memorial, obviously 22nd at the Workday, both at Mirfield Village. That's pretty interesting. I could go back there. What did the Gooch do? Oh, he finished 17th. Yeah, the Gooch is a pretty good iron player. Taylor Gooch, I, I like him. Norlander continues to make cuts right three in a row now, including a 31st last week. Who else we got? <clears throat> Who else is down here? Man, pretty ugly pretty quick. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to go down this low. Stuart Sink finished 17th last week, but it gained like a million strokes putting, I believe. I'm not going to be back on that. So that'll probably do it. A lot going on this week. A lot to talk about. I'll be doing as much as I can. Uh, excited to hear what you think. Tweet me at Rick Run Good. Leave a comment below. Best of luck for the Memorial. Let's keep the momentum rolling later.